Hi, everyone, and welcome to 50 Now What? I'm your host, Alicia Sutton. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome back my first repeat guest, Terry Jones. I thought our first conversation about financial planning for retirement was so impactful that we just had to come back and continue. Today, we dive into another important part of life that you should not wait to address, estate planning. This is a large, slow process that can be very intimidating. Luckily, we have Terry to break it down. We talk about some of the best places to start when estate planning, the most common details that are overlooked in the process, how to properly establish your wishes when you are incapacitated, and many other incredibly important topics when planning out the path of what happens when we're gone. This is not a conversation to be afraid of, rather to be embraced and with the support of Terry, myself, and the other people in your life that you can walk through this process. Thank you for being here. Let's jump into it. Well, hi, Terry. Welcome back to 50 Now What? I'm so glad to see you and have you back on the show. How are you? Fine. Thank you so much, Alicia. I appreciate the opportunity again. I know we had a lot to talk about last time as and it continues on it just morphs into more information that we need to share with the people out there yes we definitely need to continue on i mean we, it was just a natural progression and I, where we left off at was estate planning i mean we were basically talking about we got into the thick we were basically talking about what to do after we're dead and you and i have no qualms <laughs> of being straightforward and blunt about it but i think it's important for our listeners to really get in on this especially this portion of it And as we discussed, it's so necessary and it's so important for a number of reasons. And I'll just start us off there. Why is this estate planning and preparing for life after you're gone so important? I think like we discussed earlier, it's just a natural progression. Everybody's going to get to the end of the road at some point in their life. And why make it so stressful for the people that you leave behind, your loved ones? And you have to also think that a lot of people don't know what to do. They've never experienced it or they're just not good in those seasons of life where it's, you know, it's heartbreaking, it's devastating for people and they need help and they need a roadmap. And what better way to have that roadmap is to have your affairs in order, have an estate planner, have your will, your trust, uh, dual power of attorney for healthcare or finances. So nobody has to guess. Things don't have to go get tied up in court for a year plus, and the expense alone is crushing when you have to go that route or your loved ones have to go that right after you're gone. Right. And also in the assumption that, you know, number one, that it's that it's only required if you're very wealthy. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. You know, your home that you've lived in for 40 some odd years and have worked hard for and for your family it matters. You know, you don't have to be multimillionaire. You just need to be responsible. And I also think, and you've made this point very, very well, too, in our last conversation, it is it's representative of good stewardship. It really is a reflection of you and how you leave your your legacy as well. And which brings me to my next point is, where are some of the places where you need to start? I, I think a lot of people think, well, I don't know how to do anything like that, or if it's so They think it's expensive, too, and it's really not. What are your thoughts? You know, I think, like you just pointed out, everybody needs a will. You want things to go to, obviously, people you can trust to take over. 
and that are responsible. And you should never feel obligated to give it to somebody just because they're blood or family. And like you said previously, you don't need to be wealthy to have someone go over with you, your material that you're leaving behind in estate planning. So one thing is to obviously, was not obvious because that's why we're here talking about it. I would always say, get a attorney involved. Even if you're just going for a consultation, because you have to make sure that these are set up correctly, because if they're not set up correctly, you're going to run into a lot of issues and it still might go into probate if it's not designed correctly and appropriately. And also, you just don't want to have anybody doing the guesswork. And when you put things in place and it's very black and white and spelled out, and the attorney has You know, that's your expert you're going to. They know the laws, the rules, and the regulations. And we're not the experts. We are the clients coming to you for help. So the best thing is to always have somebody. I'm not a a fan of do-it-yourself because you still don't know if that's done correctly. Laws are always changing. And it's not a one-stop shop because everybody is uh, individual and needs to have certain things carved out within the estate planning process. So yes, it could get expensive. Obviously, if you have a lot of property and things like that, it could run you a little bit, but that's why you want to go ahead and plan and sit down and talk with somebody so you can know the ins and outs of how much it is going to cost you to design it correctly. Well, I think that's the most imperative part uh, is I've seen it done right and I've seen it done wrong and I've seen it not done at all. And (laughs) and not done at all is, you know. Yeah, is the worst. I think one of the things that we deal with is uh, the worst thing you could do is not do it at all. And we as people, unfortunately, we procrastinate. And a lot of times we procrastinate until it's too late. The person has died or they're incapacitated and they cannot make a decision for themselves. So you're kind of in limbo going through a lot of extra stress that you don't have to go through if you would have just taken care of it. And I definitely always say that if you are married, young couple, you have kids on the way, you don't have kids on the way, you're single, you have a house, you don't have a house, you have children, you're divorced, make sure you have those things in order. And by the way, when things change in your life, make sure you go back and change them. So say you go through a scenario and, you know, you and your husband are divorced. Well, then you need to update the will and the trust to make sure that it's reflective of that. I remember my parents, they sat down, they went together, got their will and trust in place. And then when my dad was the last to pass, there was no guesswork whatsoever. It was all spelled out from retirement, checking, savings account, the house, the car, all of that was all spelled out. So there, it was just a very smooth transition. And do you think people sometimes get, they start to feel a little bit intimidated uh, with this process and because, you know, if it feels like it can be a lot. I've had people who say, well, you know what, that is just, it's going to feel like, you feel depressed about it. You feel like, oh man, we're talking about death and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, it's a reality of living is death. 
And like you said, becoming ill. I'm finding more people as we live longer, they're not necessarily going to just die or pass away, but they're living into old age, but are sickly and have caretakers and people need to be able to look out for you. And not having those things spelled out can become uh, burdensome on people who you don't want it to be burdensome on and so many other uh, different kinds of things. So I guess when you say it's spelled out, what typically are the types of things that you want to have spelled out? I mean, because there's so much, but... Oh, if you know, I would say because it is an overwhelming process and there are steps that you have to go through, you know, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So instead of not starting anywhere, start, but keep moving. Because it's, it's not a fast process. It takes a little bit of time. You know, you have to do homework on your part. You have to have your accounts. You have to have your assets and liabilities listed out. You have to have, you know, checking accounts, saving accounts, 401ks. You have to have all that put in writing. You have to make sure that you have beneficiaries on these items. Please do not pass away with your 401k and you have no beneficiaries. You will not get that 401k until they go into just a lot of unnecessary trauma for the family with probate and just all kind of documents that you have to have that will tie up your money indefinitely and just not necessary. So one thing is to start. That would be the first process. You know, there's always things that you get on Internet. You know, somebody always knows somebody that is some kind of estate planner, an attorney. You know, attorneys know attorneys. Uh, CPA accounts know CPA accountants. So you want to be able to have certain people on your speed dial so you can call them and talk to them and ask them, okay, where exactly do I start in this process? Because it is daunting and it took me a while to get all of my things in order. And it's not a fun process. We will agree with that because a lot of people want to run from it because, oh my God, you know, it's about death. But I always tell people just like life insurance, go ahead and purchase and get your life insurance. Go ahead and get your living will and trust and go on about living your life and your best life and enjoying it. And there's just one check mark that you've taken care of that you don't to be concerned about look down the line, it's like, oh my God, I should have did this 10, 15 years ago. And now look at where we are. Or you got mom here that has early sign Alzheimer and dementia. Now the clock is ticking and you have a certain amount of time where she's still able to understand and comprehend and sign paperwork. I agree with that. And I like that you mentioned how your parents left things as well. I was fortunate to have that as well. Some are not as fortunate. My question to you is, did you have that conversation with your parents? Did your parents pull you and and your siblings aside and go, this is how we want it? Or was it more of a, um, okay, here, here's where you can find everything, I guess. What was the conversation that took place? The conversation was with both of my parents. And it was really ironic because both of them start talking to me about a year before their deaths. So my mother would tell me certain things, and within, say, a year later, she had passed away. So she would say, 
here's this, here's this, you know, your dad's got everything, but in, if he needs help, here's this, this. And then my dad, he would say, hey, T, I need to talk to you about something. I just want to make sure I put you on the savings and the checking account and the retirement account. I have you to do this. I want you to give this to your brother. You know, the house is split up this percentage. And, you know, he kind of wanted us to keep the house. And we were in agreement to go ahead and sell it. So that's what we did to kind of move on. But they both sat down and talked to me. I don't know if they talked to my brother, but I was the one back in the house kind of staying with them and kind of helping when they were elderly and sick. And it wasn't just like, here you go. They said, here's where everything is. And then they spelled it out for us too. Because one of the most important things is you can put all these things in place, but if you don't tell the person that you have as, you know, the administrator or, you know, I am telling you, you are the responsible party of A, B, and C, then, you know, it's like you're a secret agent and you don't know that you're responsible for these things because, you know, mom, dad, uncle, aunties, or grandparents didn't tell you. And Mark and Matthew know, because I say, hey, this is the thing. It's all split up evenly. Things go to my great nieces and nephews, and they're all on point. And then I actually have one of my girlfriends who I grew up with, who is a retired uh, physician. I told her, I said, I need you to help make decisions for me with them if I ever come incapacitated. And I said, because you are in the medical field, you can explain it to them and let them know what's going on and things like that. And I tell them, don't have me, you know, in the hospital looking crazy, talking about we can't let you go. Let me go. Please let me go. So, I mean, I think when you have that, because, you know, she's our age. And then, of course, the boys are, you know, they're in their 30s. and they have yet to really experience something, you know, that deep that you always need to have a village to help the immediate loved ones and family members and relatives. I love that because aside from, and we don't talk about that enough either, and that is, you know, once you've gone through the process of who gets the house, who's on the account, all of the technical things that come with putting a estate plan together, which are imperative. The back end of that is the support that your loved ones are going to need in this process because you are grieving. And I don't know about you, but some of the things I've seen happen in the course of someone passing away in a family, it is crazy to even think about it. It's heartbreaking in a lot of ways because you know it's being initiated by grief. And then you also see people who aren't necessarily on the same page of grief, but see it as a, a means of opportunity. And so there's some vulnerabilities there. And having someone who you've designated, and they know they've de designated as the uh, voice of reason, the voice of, you know, the person who can give that practical sense of things that are going on, because it is difficult to have someone who, like you say, you're in the hospital, people don't want to let you go, they love you, and to have someone with the experience who you trusted from the beginning to say, this is the end, let her go. Or even, I don't know how you think about this, but letting them know, have in place already 
DNRs or things like that? Most definitely. My father had a DNR and, you know, we were all at the hospital and I had already talked to his doctor and I said, okay, I said, you know, did he say, I said, he told me what his wishes were. I said, did he make sure that he made it clear to you and the staff? Oh, yeah. So I get there and, you know, he's pretty much comatose, semi-comatose. And I'm talking to him and things like that. And he's able to re- just kind of respond just a little. I walk out the room and he codes while I walk out the room. So I hear this code blue. So I go down back down the hallway. And of course, they have the crash card. They're drawing up the medication. They're doing everything. And they've already given him already one round of all, you know, the medication to keep his heart going and things like that. And so they're getting ready to draw up. So I'm looking at the nurse and the doctor. They're drawing up another syringe. And I'm looking at them. I said, stop. And of course, I'm a nurse, so I understand how she was struggling because I do the same thing, even though, you know, uh, loved ones, patients, parents or DNRs. um, It's just something in you like, no, no, no. You know, you still want to help them. And I said, I had to tell her about two or three times. I said, stop. I said, don't draw up any more medication. I said, he didn't want heroic measures. He's a DNR. And I don't know where that's not in the chart and not posted on the wall. I said, do not give him another round to keep his heart going. I said, all I want you to do is make him comfortable. And so he can pass comfortably and not struggle. I said, because right now he's struggling to breathe. And so they looked at me. So they put the medication down and uh, nobody was in there but me and the nurse and the doctor. Everybody else was out. So they didn't, you know, see or hear the conversation because I didn't think the family members, the rest of my family needed to see that. I said, no, don't do this. So that's kind of what happened. So he, you know, he passed peacefully. And we were all there. And then here's the part. This is where the work really begins. Now you have to look at mortuaries and call to pick up um, your loved one. And then you have to go sit down with the church and do all these things that if you don't know how to do it, you need somebody that can help you along the process. Because I tell people all the time, a mortuary is a business. And unfortunately, if they know you have insurance, guess where they're taking you to? They're taking you to the casket room with all of the nice caskets. I mean, I literally saw it with my own eyes and I just said, wow. And, um, you know, they obviously play on your emotions when they say, well, you know, your mom and your dad really would like to be put away in style and all this. And if you don't have somebody to kind of keep you on level ground because there was no guilt. I mean, I know I did right by my parents while they were alive. So, you know, we did what we need to do, but we were not about to be taken advantage of in that process. And that's why when you have your estate planner, your wills and your trust in place, then people taking advantage of you is taken out of the equation for the most part. Now you're going to always have you know, unfortunately, even your relatives and maybe close friends that will try to be opportunists and play on your emotions. 
And when you're vulnerable, which is unfortunate and sad, and I've seen uh, both sides of the coin, but when you have things legally in writing, that serves notice for people to back off and let this process continue as the person designated it to continue without any interference from the outside. And to back in on that support also is, like you said, family and friends and whoever else uh, will also have their um, being prepared to deal with people who are going to just outright disagree with it and feel like they have a different perspective on it. And having had those things drawn out in writing and spoken to uh, the people who are going to be in charge of it, it really gives you the roadmap to make those decisions and allow you later to be able to grieve. Because during that process, you're really not grieving. It's usually, I don't know about you, it's usually after everything is said and done, uh, when everyone's gone home, when you're still dealing with the paperwork, is when everything else starts to follow through, your grief, your mourning, and all those types of things. And you can get distracted with it. And further having that plan in place for your family still gives you the guide. And it still allows you the room to be able to grieve. And I appreciate you giving that process. I know that it's it's a very difficult place. I appreciate your candor uh, having to go back and talk about, you know, this process and having to give your father a dignified passing. But that's why I wanted to have this conversation because not enough people are having that conversation and we wait till we get to that point and then there becomes a breakdown. And I've seen whole families just stop talking after uh, someone has passed away. And it's really sad because here comes the anger, the strife and the grief and the mourning And to me, it just doesn't have to happen. But unfortunately, people deal, you know, with things differently than other people do. You know, as a Christian, yes, I mourn and I grieve and go through all those emotions. But there's always a hope for a future to see, you know, loved ones again. And then knowing that I serve the most high, I want to do things decently in order And I don't want God to look at me or question me one day and say, now, kind of tell me what your thought process was when you did (laughs) this craziness (laughs) down on earth when it was all spelled out um, and you didn't represent me or your parents or your loved ones well. So I definitely did not want to be labeled as someone that didn't do things decently in order and also representing God first and foremost in everything I did when it came to that time. And, you know, Alicia, once again, we can talk forever on these subjects. But once again, the first thing is people need to know it's not a scary process. You know, it's an eye-opening process for a lot of people. It kind of locates where you are, where you need to go. And it gives you a roadmap. It gives you the person that's designing the living will and trust a roadmap And then it gives your loved ones navigation when you're gone. So they're just not blindly taking off to do something because, you know, you have what we say, all the cooks in the kitchen and nobody can agree. And then there's argument about the color of the casket, the flowers, who's going to get the car? What about the house? What about grandmom's jewelry? 
I wanted those earrings. She promised them to me. But, you know, she never told anybody she promised them. So now you're looking like, okay, for the sake of argument here, there you go, take them. And so it just is a place where it doesn't have to happen if you plan. And planning is very important. And it's a part of your life, all of your life, whether we like it or not. Right. And that's and I, and I love your analogy, giving them the room to be able to navigate after you're gone and you're setting out the path for that. And and just like and I, I went through this process as well and just trying to prepare for myself. And um, you and I talked about this again, but I don't know who's going to be there. You know, I know I have my nephew. I have you know, you don't know who's going to go first. You don't know who's going to go. Beha- you just don't know. And so having something in place so that whoever backs into it at least will have be able to navigate their way through it as well. And I like that you brought this up as well. It really does let you see your own life. It's almost as if you can kind of see like, okay, so this is what I have. This is what I've done. Who are the people that are most important to me? Who do I really trust? Who is going to be the responsible person? And it's not just who's left. Sometimes it's who's going to be best at doing it. Like you said, you have a friend designated to handle the healthcare part of it. It's because she comes from a place where she can understand that a little bit differently. And I'm doing and I had to do the same thing. It's like, who would be able to make this decision? Who would be able to have that word of wisdom in a moment where everything is just so heavy, which is which it should be. And I understand that. But one thing, at least for me, when I'm putting these things together, it was a little bit cathartic. It it really kind of felt like. It was almost a relief in some way, shape or fashion. And I it kind of gave me a sense of, okay, so it wasn't that bad. And you can look back even on your own life about how you want to leave things in terms of your own legacy. And I always view it as if I had never gave you anything else, I'm going to gift you this time to be able to grieve and not have to worry about, you know, what to do with my ashes or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, most definitely. I mean, it was very uh, carthetic. Car- how do you, how you say that word? Cathartic. Thank you. I'll let you say <laughs> that. Tongue tie. For me also, because I was so relieved when I finally put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Because one thing I always want to have done is, you know, I always think about this when I go out of the country. You know, when we're not in the United States and I travel out of the country, it's like, okay, Crazy things can happen out of the country because you're not in the United States. So and you don't really know how to navigate in those countries like you do in the United States. So I said, okay, I really need to have this done. And I needed to do an addendum and an update to mine last year. So I had to call the attorney that I was working with. I said, hey, I need this and I need it by this day because I'm going out of the country this time. And I do not want to leave this undone. And they said, "Okay, we could get it taken care of for you and things like that. And then there's a part you have to play. Here comes the notary. They will notarize the documents. And guess what you need to do at the end? You need to go take it and get it recorded. Please don't leave that part undone. So now everything's in a trust because it's not complete. And two, it's recorded. So it's recorded. You get documents back saying the trust of, you know, uh, Terry Jones or the Jones Trust or whatever your last name is. 
And now it's all completed. Everything's done. You can put a bow on it. You can sit down, talk with your loved ones, your children, sisters, brothers, family members, and let them know where documents are, where copies are, where your passcodes, your passwords are for things to get into, who's on the checking account, who's on the retirement. And, you know, I have Mark and Matthew on everything. And the only one thing I have to do left is, and we have to kind of do that together. Unfortunately, I have to kind of figure out, probably have to do it when he comes down next year. We have to go into the bank together. So that's the only thing to kind of add him on it. I know Bank of America didn't do that because my father had just put me on there. So I don't know why Wells Fargo asked, but, you know, know what's required and then just follow the steps and take out some time. Don't make your life so busy that you don't make this a priority because you really should make this a priority because you don't want to have to pay an attorney. uh, And it's going to take a long time to go through probate and they take a nice healthy percentage after it's all said and done because things weren't prepared. And it can hold up for a very long time through probate. That process is long and arduous. And I like the point that you made too about making sure that it's filed and also knowing what's required in the state that you're in. There's some general things that are, you know, they're going to go across the board, but definitely depending on where you're living at, um, if you're in the U.S. or if you're listening to this out of the country, what's required in, in the place where you live in order to prepare for things. So I think that that is probably the best advice. And one last thing I, I definitely want to talk about is, and you touched on it previously, and that is building resources making sure that you have a person you can reach out to legally, an attorney and things like that. And also, and you mentioned you had to do an addendum. So you even making changes to it, making sure that you're updating it periodically uh, for life changes. There's one thing that always sticks out in my head because I've seen this done before. Please do not put minors as beneficiaries. There needs to be an adult. So things that are split for Dallas, Taj, and Jordan, well, Mark and Tabitha, you know, are the adults. So they will split accordingly because they're minors and they're underage. And I had to tell one of my clients one time, I said, you know, uh, she can't be a beneficiary because she's a minor. I said, you'll have to put your son or someone else there And then when she becomes of age, then he can hand the reins over to her. But until that time, she can't be the primary beneficiary at all because she's a minor. And she says, oh, okay, okay," because that's not going to work. Having a having having a minor. Oh, I left the minor in my 10 million dollar house. No, 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 no. (laughs) And, And I would advise making sure you get some really good legal advice to navigate those things if you're if you have you're still in this phase of your life where you have young children or you know what I mean that that really does take some a different level of navigation which is why your advice very good advice to get some legal advice from an attorney a state planning attorney to be able to navigate those types of waters there are some very subtle things that you'll need to look at taxes uh, and things of that nature um, it doesn't just stop with the insurance and the barrel insurance and things like that it it really is there are some things that you have to navigate. But once it's done, you do feel a lot more secure in it and uh, haven't 
talk to your having the conversation first, like you said, starting is better than just flying blind for yourself and anybody else. Exactly. And then the other thing, you know, your will is a revocable will, which means you can make changes. You don't want to put an irrevocable will in place where you can't even make the changes. So you always want to do a revocable will so you can make the changes down the road because say, God forbid, you know, somebody that you were giving money to, they passed before you did. Then you need to go, you know, make the changes. The changes aren't maybe 50-50. Maybe they're now 100 or maybe they're, you know, depending on how many people you have to receive things. It just depends on the percentage may change for you. But you always want to make sure that you can make those changes uh, because we all know that there's times where we have relatives and loved ones that are not the best suited to receive things. I mean, depending on where they are in their life, if they are having some, you know, challenges with substance abuse and things like that. You don't want them to be able to control anything. Maybe you still want to give them something, but maybe it has to go through someone else to oversee them. It just depends how you want to put it together. But you don't want to just leave things to people where they're going to just blow through money. You put stipulations in place, you know, just like you wouldn't give a two-year-old keys to a car. You wouldn't give a a 15, 16-year-old if you passed away and you have millions of dollars, you wouldn't just give them a lump sum. You need to, you know, specify uh, ranges and terms and ages where they get certain amount of money at certain times. So once again, your legacy can last. That investment, you know, can last. And Your goal is to have things where they can last from generation to generation, like a lot of uh, wealthy people have done, the Rockefellers. You know, that's why their wealth just continues to go on and on because of the way they have set things in motion in place. And we have to think we as African-American people or people that did not come with a bunch of wealth, we have to also just kind of think generations. Not just one generation, but generations. And how does this affect the generations to come well after I'm gone? You know, you should want to have, like, say, your great, great, great niece or nephew say, oh, yeah, when uh, my great, 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 great auntie Alicia or Terry, you know, this is what they set up. And it's still the gift that keeps giving because it was set up correctly. I love that. And I I think that that is probably, at the end of the day, setting that goal where you want it to go. And for me, you said it perfectly, is that you wanted to see it move forward and to have some benefit on down the road and that you've done something good, you know, that something somewhere is benefiting from it, uh, no matter where you left off. And I think that that is perfect. Did you have any other final words or uh, resources that you'd like to give for the listeners? Oh, my gosh. I have so much. I have like, um, I don't know if we have time, but I have a. (laughs) We got the time. Okay, so one, you want to itemize your inventory, document your non-physical assets like your bank accounts, your 401ks, your IRAs, your life insurance policies, 
your health insurance list of debts, make a list of memberships, make copies of, you know, your, make sure everybody knows your credit cards, how much is on them, you know, what's needed to pay them off because they are debt collectors and they want their money. Review your retirement accounts on a regular basis and just keep your loved ones up to date on where things are. You don't have to give them complete detail, detail, but you do need to let them know that, hey, this is where my 401k is. I have an old one with another company. I'm moving it over. Please don't leave retirement accounts at places that you don't work anymore. Leave them, take them with you, roll them over to your new job, talk to your financial advisor, your accountant, look, see what the tax ramifications may be in that process. Update your insurance. And I, like I said before we talked earlier, choose a responsible estate administrator. May not be a loved one, may be a friend, may be your attorney, you know, may be a business partner, but somebody you know you could trust has the same value system and integrity that you have and know that everything will be done decently in order and put in place properly for your loved ones. Draft your will, regularly review it, and update it as needed. Visit an estate plan attorney. You know, just don't try to do it on your own. I use LegalZoom in the very beginning. Didn't really have much at the time, but I don't use them anymore. I used a t- attorney and I paid the fee that I needed to pay. And, you know, the fees come differently. The hourly rates are different. You know, they're a lot of times 275 to $300 an hour. But you just have to plan for those things because, you know, what's most important is at the end of your life, you know, did you leave a complete disaster for your family to clean up or did you leave things in order? So they can navigate and do things correctly and properly and there no one's getting taken advantage of and simplify your finances at the end make sure you have a financial planner and simplify your finances let everybody know who you trust that are the beneficiaries they're going to be their administrator you know if you have more than one piece of property the balances on those things or you know your choice of what you would like to do. It's like for this particular house I live in now, uh, it goes to Mark and Matthew. They could keep it or sell it. And, you know, I don't really care. You know, take the proceeds from it, split it 50-50, or one can buy the other one out. They might use it as uh, investment property. That's solely up to them. You know, I'm not going to be here. So, you know, long as it goes to them and then they can honestly make the final decision on what they would want to do with it, the two of them. All right. Did we clear the list? <laughs> uh, I'm, you, just you... Going, I'm just uh, going over it. It says, so Go ahead. one of the most uh, common estate planning mistake is not doing it at all. And procrastination is the biggest enemy of estate planning. So please make sure that you talk to somebody, gather all your information, even if you find an attorney where you can get one uh, meeting in with them and sit down and talk to them so they can tell you everything you need. And then you can go back and do your homework and do what you need to do. But 
The worst thing is not to start. And I know you, Alicia, and myself have seen it over and over and over again, where you're just kind of like, wow. You know, it's very heartbreaking. And one of the other things is I would say, make sure your insurance policies are up to date. Review those regularly and really know what you have. Do you have a whole life policy? Do you have a term policy? A lot of times people get policies 13, 15, 20 years prior and never look at them. They never hear from the insurance agent that sold it and they don't know that it is expiring or has expired. And don't depend on just your job for life insurance because those are group policies that are very inexpensive because they have, you know, thousands and thousands of people on that group policy. Make sure you have an individual policy and your loved ones know where it is and it's up to date and you have enough and it's properly structured. And that's all I have for estate planning. And the last thing I would say is please take advantage of the time that you have here on earth and not wait to the last minute and get it taken care of and then go on about living your life and enjoying your life. I love that. I don't have anything else to add to that. I think that that was a a perfect punch list. Everything that I could think of and more was on that list. And uh, the only other thing is, you know, if you think it's going to cost a lot to go to an attorney, the back end of that is how much your family's going to have to pay if it's not done. It will exceed far more than uh, the preparation up front. Terry, you captured this perfectly. That's why I like having you here. Uh (laughs) Thank you so much. I always enjoy coming in and talking with you. It's always a pleasure all the time to impart you know, information that we know we have that other people don't have and may need and can take advantage of or just haven't, you know, a lot of people just haven't thought about it because life is so busy with the here and now and what they're doing now. Yes. And the thing is, because life, like I say, life be life you know, you've got stuff going on. There are distractions and, you know, you see so many other things take priority for you to be living which is why if once you get it done and you can go back and check on it periodically, it's just like planning everything else in life. You plan your retirement, you plan a move. Just like if you plan to move anywhere, buy a home or whatever, there's a planning and preparation to it, as is this. So it just needs to be one more thing on your life to-do list. List, exactly. Your life to-do list. And thank you so much, Terry. I always enjoy you and my listeners enjoy listening to you as well and taking on your advice. So we appreciate you. And as always, we'll see you again. I'm sure of that. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to 50 Now What? A special thank you to my guest, Terry, for coming back to join us again. Make sure to follow us, rate, and share the show. Make sure to follow me on Instagram for continuous updates at 50 Now What Podcast. That's 5-0 Now What Podcast. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer, Stephen Selnick as producer, and Rob Johnson as editor and audio engineer. I love working with this team. To learn more about making a podcast for you or your business, visit them at rainbowcreative.co.